You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Welcome to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly, founder of Agape Moms, and I'm just so glad that you could join me for this conversation today. Here on the podcast, we emphasize discovering you on the journey through. And what that means is I believe every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose. And I believe that she can do it right through the things that God is carrying her through in her season as a single mom. A couple of months ago, I did an episode with Dr. Andrea Mata about decision-making. And during that episode, I mentioned that we would have a follow-up that tackles more of the spiritual side of decision-making. And so that's what we're doing in this conversation today. I am joined by Peggy Sue Wells, and Peggy Sue wrote a book called The Ten Best Decisions a Single Mom Can Make, A Biblical Guide for Navigating Family Life on Your Own. And what we're really going to be tackling in this conversation is this sense that perhaps there are things from the past, and whether that's the kind of immediate past or the very distant past that we know we don't want to repeat, things that we want to learn from, but maybe feeling stuck and not really certain how to move forward. Peggy Sue and I will talk about the impact of trauma when it comes to making decisions or the inability to make decisions. And we're also going to talk about how God partners with us, even through our mistakes, and how we can correct our view of Him to help us with hearing Him more clearly and gaining discernment. Experiences from our past can create a lot of uncertainty about the future, and with that comes feelings of anxiety and doubt and loneliness that end up just keeping us stuck. With that in mind, I've developed a quiz over at agapemoms.com forward slash quiz called What's Your Loneliness Type? And if you want to take that quiz and it'll take you just a couple of minutes, you'll have the ability to start unraveling some of the things that might be contributing to your specific experience with loneliness, and you'll get some hints on what you can do to start digging out of that. If you'd like to take that quiz, that's over at agapemoms.com forward slash quiz. As we get started today, I'd like to introduce you to Peggy Sue Wells. Peggy Sue is the author of 29 books, including several bestsellers and an audio finalist. Her titles are recognized on the Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller list. Peggy Sue is a board member for Run Hard, Rest Well, and is a member of the Christian Writers Guild, Advanced Writers and Speakers Association, and Christian Authors Network. Peggy Sue is also a single mom of seven kids, and she has such an incredible wealth and depth of experience to draw from that I just find incredibly encouraging. As you listen to this conversation, I hope that you'll hear something that will help you in the places that you might feel stuck. Here's my conversation with Peggy Sue Wells. Peggy Sue, I am so excited to have you with me for this chat today. You wrote a great book about making decisions in this uncertain season of life. And I'm just so thankful <laughs> to have you with me because you just have a, a depth of experience. And I wondered if you would just start us off by telling the listeners about your single mom journey. 
I'm grateful to spend some time with you, and I really admire what you're doing to come alongside other ladies that are in our situation. So well done. And my uh, single mom journey started in 2000. I have seven children, and the baby was one years old when their dad decided that he was choosing out. And people make choices. And um, so then I had a lot of choices coming up in front of me. But did it with um, Raised All Seven. The youngest one is uh, graduating college in this year and also getting married. So everybody's grown, but it's been quite the journey. And I didn't want to write about being a single mom because there's a lot of emotion in there mm-hmm. and a lot of things I wish I could have done better or at least faster than, you know, like staying stuck in places. Yeah. But I had several people come to me and they said, you've got 20 years of experience. So can you at least share what works? And I'm like, oh, I have a whole bunch of stuff that totally works. And I know a lot of stuff that doesn't. So we just, um, I wrote the book with Pam Farrell, my co-author, and we wrote the 10 best decisions a single mom can make and just packed it full of practical, helpful things that work we didn't even go to things that don't work. So those yeah. are just the ones that, they, that they'll, they'll get it done. Yeah. And I think, and you just kind of alluded to this, I think one of the things that keeps us stuck, as you mentioned, when it comes to making decisions and dealing with uncertainty is the fact that we are very often staring those things in the face that did not work out. And we're looking at not wanting to repeat them, but at the same time, not really sure how we make sure we don't do that. And I think some of it starts with coming to terms with the fact that we maybe did make some choices that didn't work out so well and recognizing where God is in the process of that. Would you share a little about that part of your journey? Yeah, there's a lot of, um, for a long time, I had a hard time trusting myself because if I made a decision that turned out so poorly as far as a marriage, then how could I trust that my next decisions were going to be good? And there were two things I learned out of that. One was that, I can make my decisions, but what the other person chooses is their decision, and I can't control that. And I really thought if I just worked hard enough or prayed hard enough that I could, Mm -hmm. and I can't. The other thing that I learned along the way was that I can make the right decision. That doesn't mean that the other person is going to respond in the way that I want them to, Mm -hmm. but it was still the right decision. And one of the examples for that is when a woman puts down a boundary that protects her and protects her children, the person that the boundary is set up for may not choose to go, oh, okay, I get it. I'll come alongside. Sometimes they're like, fine. And they either get more hostile or they leave. That doesn't mean that the choice was bad. It doesn't mean the decision was bad. It was still the right one. But we have to sometimes know that the other person may not come alongside that decision. I found that a lot of times with the decision making, I would look at my behavior and I would be like, not only is it hard for me to make a decision, but what decisions am I making? And Mm. sometimes I can look at other single moms and I'm like, what is she thinking? And sometimes you look at the children and it's like, what are they thinking? And what I came to learn just recently, I mean, after 20 years of doing this, was that I wasn't thinking. For a lot of single moms, we're not thinking. And the reason is because when you have that relationship that was together and you were moving in a direction of happily ever after, and then there's a betrayal and it goes in a different direction, we go into trauma. And the way our bodies are designed, when we go into trauma, the front part of our brain goes offline. And we go back to this part back here of the fight, flight, or freeze, which is really helpful if you're running from a bear. That's exactly the part you want on. You don't want to be thinking about it. However, with that trauma, 
when our brain goes offline, it's not just that one event because then there's the legal issues. Then there's maybe getting a new address. Maybe you're going to have to relocate. Maybe you're going to have to get a new job. Then there's the phone calls and then there's the visits and there's the more court cases and the more legalities and so many things so that mom is getting hit over and over and over again with the trauma. Mm, yeah. And I can remember like, I have to take care of the yard. I don't know how to do the yard. And I got to like do the maintenance on my car. And this is new for me. And I don't know what insurance to get. And so again, it's just one thing after another. So we remain offline because of that trauma. And that can literally carry a mom through the rest of her life, Mm -hmm. her and her children. Mm -hmm. So when you're watching people and you're like, what are they thinking? What are they doing? They're not thinking and we have to help them, Mm -hmm. which is why we wrote the 10 best decisions a single mom can make because we're like, let me help you make the next right decision. As you start making those decisions and moving forward, you're going to get your thinking part of your brain back online. I love that you all emphasize as well that there are so many choices that we can make about our lives and what we want them to look like ahead of time so that when we do get into those spaces where we just are like in trauma mode and we're triggered and we are not, we're so overwhelmed, we don't know what to do that we can at least be guided by some decisions we've already made to make those in the moment decisions a little less overwhelming for us. As far as getting to that space, though, you mentioned that there are so many single moms, and I know we both can identify with this, that have this feeling like we don't fit in anywhere. And there's a lot of shame that comes attached to us. There is this weight that we feel underneath that's crushing us. And sometimes it's that shame. And sometimes it's the shame of things we did do or didn't do. The shame of what people think about what we did do or didn't do. How did God step you through the process of understanding what the mistakes of the past meant for you as it meant to your future? There were some decisions that I did know that I needed to make so that I didn't continue to make more bad choices that I would pile on top of what was going on. One of my triggers was when the children went to do the visits. (laughs) What a weird situation where there's this event or there's a a place to go or there's a let's go do a movie or lunch. And the one person who's not invited is the mom. I mean, how weird is that? And I had a court that doesn't know me or my children dictating when my kids were with me and when they weren't. That was a huge trigger for me. Mm -hmm. I did not like that. So when I'm that triggered, it's like, what are my options? So as the kids are leaving, they would say, are you going to be okay? And they were asking me, you know, what are you going to be doing? We need to know. We need to know that we don't have to worry about you. And so I had to say to them, I have made decisions. I'm not going to eat myself stupid, even though a whole bag of M&M sounds really good right now. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to drink myself stupid because that's going to lead to other problems. I'm not going to go be foolish with men. I'm not going to go spend like crazy. I'm just not going to do something that falls outside of who our family is, our kind of like our family standards. I'm not going to do something that's going to add to the problems and I'm not going to do something that's going to embarrass you or hurt you. And I had to make that decision because is it tempting? Yeah. Those Mm -hmm. times that something comes at you that is so bad, what do you want to do? You want to medicate it. And so I made some decisions ahead of time. And then there were times where I was just like, I had to go before God and say, you've got to show me what to do. And a lot of times God would say, whose decision is this? Mm. Whose does it belong to? Which was huge for me because we watched with our children. I want to step in and take care of that and step in and take care of that. 
But if I do, I'm not helping them to grow. I'm not helping them take responsibility. So when one of my daughters came home with her first speeding ticket, she's like, mom, I got a speeding ticket. And I went, "Uh uh-huh. And she said, it's going to cost my entire savings to pay it. And I said, I bet it does. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I trust that you will do the right thing. Mm -hmm. I trust that you will do the right thing. I trust that you will take care of that. I think one of the things that single moms do probably more than anything is we have been in this mode of we are the caretakers. And so we're overseeing our husbands and overseeing our children and overseeing our home and overseeing the pets. And we're just kind of holding it all together. And so then when there's this break, I see so many women where we're still taking responsibility for a person who is not part of the household anymore, Mm -hmm. a person who has chosen out, a lot of times a person who's being very unkind. And I think that's the hardest thing for moms to make that decision on is to say, wait, is this mine to do or is this his? And we end up not wanting them to fail just as much as we don't want our kids to fail. Mm -hmm. And we're overstepping. And once we get into that, we will stay in that. We will constantly be given situations where we have to step in and take care of it. And so it's a hard thing to do, moms. But you have to say, is this mine to do? Is this my responsibility? If I do this, does the person whose actual responsibility it is, will they grow? Also, you know, what consequences get paid when I overstep what is mine? And those were huge things to have to pull away from. And quite honestly, it was hard for me to separate. I had spent so much time being a caretaker for all my family. I had to meet with a mentor and have my mentor helped me decide what was mine and what wasn't. And even those texts, you know, you get the texts that, you know, like asking stupid questions about whatever and arguing and emails that were unkind and arguing and phone messages. And I had to learn to let them go. Would I allow you to speak to me that way? No, from this other place. So I had to learn, this is not mine to do. It's not mine to take care of. There's sometimes where we have to say, you know what? You're welcome to speak to my attorney and my attorney will then answer you because guess what? People speak really different to your attorney than they speak to you. Mm -hmm. But we have to, as moms, learn when to let be. And when I can't make a decision, then it was good to go to and get a group of people, get like a board, you know, a personal board, get a mastermind group where you sit together on Fridays with coffee with, you know, five or six other people and say, this is where I am. These are my options. What do you think? And people that are not emotionally attached will come back with all kinds of options that I hadn't thought of. Mm. So there's a lot of opportunities to make good decisions, but we have to start making them one step at a time very, very carefully. I love the insight you just gave there on how we do that. Because if I think about the poor decisions I've made in the past, it's because I wasn't doing any of those things. I didn't have an accountability group that I was passing things in front of. I sort of was just taking counsel with myself and kind of doing what I thought was best. And I think that's the thing that we realize to get from A to B, to get from a place of where we feel like we didn't do it well and we want to do it differently. It's understanding that there's some different steps and different routines or structures that we can put in place that can help us do these things well, that it isn't all on our plates and it's not all necessarily up to us. And I think that's where some of this the sense of redemption has come from for me in the story is recognizing that's one of the ways that God has taken my mistakes 
and shown me his grace and his goodness is that I now surround myself with lots of people Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he shows me how beautiful it is to receive challenging, but also validation and acceptance through these people that I'm close to. And it's something that is just making these beautiful new relationships and a beautiful new experience out of where I really had started with mistakes. And so I think that's that's the great thing is recognizing that we're partnering with God in this. This is not just us out there on our own, trying to figure it out on our own, and that there are ways that we can tap into his wisdom and discernment, even if we feel like I'm kind of offline. And we have to we have to make sure that my decisions line up with scripture, because if it doesn't line up with scripture, it's not right. Mm-hmm. It's not the next right thing to do. A lot of times when the decision is big, I'd say, what is the next right thing to do? And just do that one next small step, because that's the only one I have at the moment. And then there's the, the whole idea of, am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest with God? And oh my goodness, when I called that friend, am I being honest with her? Because I end up like sort of covering and, you know, mm-hmm. just like, well, I won't tell them that part. And we make things look better than they are. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then the decision doesn't come out well. But I also learned something about my bad decisions. And that's it. Um, I have a little grandson, little toddler, and we're playing in the yard and he's got his little toys and stuff. And here in Indiana, we have no, no fences. So he hears the sound and he turns toward the street and he starts toddling in that direction. Well, if I let him go in that direction, you know, not safe. So, you know, I said to him, you get back here right now, you naughty little boy, you're going to go into timeout for the whole rest of your life. You are so naughty. You need to think about what you did and you need to find your way back and how you're going to fix that. So there. And of course, you're like, did you say that to a toddler? Mm. Well, no. But how often do we think that's how God talks to us? I really thought he was thinking that about me Mm -hmm. and the things that I had done. But what I did do was I came up alongside my grandson and I squatted down low and I said, hey, buddy, let's go back where it's safe. And that little buddy just turned into my arms and I scooped him up and I stand there and I held him and I turned as we started going back to where it was safe for him. And it's one of those times where God kind of taps me on the shoulder and he said, did you get it? Hmm. And I'm like, really? That's all it is to repent? And he said, yeah. Do you want to like, do you want to yell at your grandson? I'm like, no. He said, well, when your teenager has been doing something goofy and you get her attention, do you want her to come and, you know, just humiliate herself in front of you? And I'm like, no, I love it when she just turns and goes, got it, mom. That's all I need because then she Mm -hmm. has turned into going in the right direction. And God said, that's all I want. Repentance merely means that you turn into my arms. The whole part about trying to find your way back, he goes, first off, you can't do it. And I'm like, no, I couldn't. (laughs) And he's like, second, I don't want you back there. You're here. I want to work with you from here and I'm going to take you forward from this place. And so the whole idea of repentance in God's view And again, there's what I've heard in church and what I think it is and what I think it is from my family that I grew up with. And then there's what God says. And they're two completely different things. Mm. And so when I realized all I have to do is turn into his arms and he's going to scoop me up, I'm like, 
I can't wait to do that. You know, so I'm like all the time, I'm like, I'm, I'm turning, I'm turning into your arms. I'm repenting. I'm here. And he's just like, good. And he scoops me up and he takes me in the direction that is safe. And it's where I belong. I love, love, love that depiction because I agree with you. And you said something so telling that so often what we've been taught either in church or by our family of origin is not always the way that it is. And I had a very similar experience with God that he just is helping me to understand more and more as I go through these things, what he is like as a loving father. And it is just that picture that you described. And he really does want for us to experience grace when we repent, that it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. It's a gift for us to do it. And I think, though, you pointed to something earlier that's really critical in that, though, is that sometimes we are intimidated by that process because we're looking at the big picture. And we're saying, if I don't know how to do that, if I don't know how to do the big thing, then we may kind of shrink down from it. But that if you do focus on just the next right thing, what's the next thing? And so often it is just turning back to God and saying, okay, (laughs) I don't got this. What do you say? That he's got the answer for how we get to that end road. But all we have to do is make the next step. And as far as getting through those places, though, that are sticky, in the book, you all talk about tests and you talk about ways that we can start to really analyze our thoughts and decide, as you said even earlier, is this my choice to make or am I lining up with scripture here? Can you talk about some of those tests and what the role of those is in helping us to just really get a grasp on discernment? One of the things that God shows us through going through our situation is that there's what we think and the ideas that we get about what marriage is and what relationship is and what it's supposed to be. And then what it means to now be separated or divorced. And that shame and that humiliation and those things that we bring on ourselves, it's like you take the whole idea of repentance back to scripture and go through scripture. What does it say? Take the idea of relationship back and go through scripture. Take marriage back and go through scripture. Because my mentor says, what is marriage for? And I'm like, well, it's to get together and raise up a godly heritage. And she's like, well, yeah, that's what we heard in church. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, well, wait, that's so through the Bible. Here we go. We start running through it. And actually what God showed me is God said, I have things to teach you about me, things that you don't know. And there's things about yourself that you don't know. So I'm going to put you in a place. I'm going to put you in a setting with these people and this spouse at this time and these children and, you know, these neighbors and this extended family These are the best people to teach you what you need to know about me and what you need to know about yourself. And I wish I would have gotten that a long time ago because Mm -hmm. now the people that annoy me the most, the situations that annoy me the most, rather than me going, gosh, why did I, why are they here? You know, now it's like, oh, what do I need to learn from them? Mm -hmm. What is it that they are teaching me? Not that they're right, not that it's okay. But there's something in there. And so we come together as people and we don't want to live alone because we don't like being isolated and alone. But when we're in community, we're banging up against one another. We're knocking those hard edges off one another until Mm -hmm. we become smooth and polished. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of what part of the decision was, was am I going to receive what's happening and have an attitude and be angry and be mad? Or am I going to say, God is at work in all of this? 
God knows what he's doing. God is teaching me in this moment something about him that I need to know, something. And so when I do that, the anger goes away and there's more of a, okay, this isn't about me and that person. This Mm -hmm. is about me and you. And that completely changes my attitude. And so most of the the rubbing that we have going on, we have these huge heartbreaks from a, a broken relationship that was supposed to be our happily ever after. So we're walking around wounded anyway. And so then now we've got these other relationships. And my problem that I got so stuck in for the longest time was that my heartbreak was spilling out into the other relationships around me. And that's where I felt I'm staying stuck here and I don't want to do this. And it's like when you have had you know, families that come together on the holidays and we emotionally abuse one another and have mm-hmm. pie. Right. And and you you go home and it's like I wanted to be at Thanksgiving with my family and Christmas so bad. And then I come home and I'm just shredded. It's like, what is this? And so I was asking God, I could see we're moving in that direction. And I'm like, okay, God, what's up? So as I'm meeting with my mentor and complaining about my neighbors and my coworkers and the ex and the kids, and I mean, just, you know, the president, I mean, name it, yeah, you know, yeah. everybody. <laughs> so I'm going down my long list. So she, she let me do that for six months. And then she said to me, we can keep doing this if you'd like, we'll keep meeting each week. Or if you'd really like to do some hard work, we can like get through this so that it's all different. And I said, what, you mean me? And she said, you're the one common denominator in all of our relationship problems. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, I can't affect what everybody else does. And that's another thing that I've noticed that we as moms do when our relationships break up, all of my attention goes on how that other person is behaving, what that other person is doing. And I forget that I have to put the mirror in front of my face. Mm-hmm. I can't control them. But what is the reflection I'm seeing of me? I would rather judge you because then I don't have <laughs> to deal a lot with easier. me. <laughs> yeah. In fact, it's a lot easier for me to put pressure and demand that you change rather than mm-hmm. me change myself. Yeah. And so I had to get in front of that mirror and say, what is the work that I need to do? And God showed me that there's that scripture that says, as far as possible, be at peace with everyone. And I realized I, I'm sure I'm doing it. Everybody else is the one that's not doing their part. But when I'm the common denominator, So I had to get really humble before the Lord and say, show me. And he said, I'm going to show you the five R's. And so Mm -hmm. it's like the first thing that happens is like my daughter, one Saturday morning, Hannah wakes up and she, she's just grousing around the house. And so in mom mode, I tried to cheer her up and she didn't respond. And so then I'm feeling kind of rejected. Like, gosh, I've made you tea. I've told you jokes. I made your favorite pancakes and you're still not interacting with me. So I feel rejected. And surely then the reason you're not is because I stink as a mom and you'd rather be anywhere else on Saturday than here with me. So that's now the story that I've internalized in my head. So then I go into resentfulness because I don't like feeling rejected by her. So now I'm resentful. And then we go into resistance. So we're sitting at the table with her pancakes and she's not looking at me and not talking to me. So fine, I'm not looking at you or talking to you either. So if you've ever given or received the silent treatment, you're in resistance to one another. So that's where we were. Now, the next thing that would be so easy for me to step into would be what I call revenge. And that is, I'm hurting. And I want you to know that I'm hurting. And so I want you to know how this feels. So then I would say something with a little dagger like, so when are you going to clean your room? How about those grades? Are you keeping those above a C level? Is your homework caught up? You can hear the stilettos that come out of my mouth. And when you hear women 
and they're just that way, those stilettos are zinging out of their mouth, that is the sign that she has an unresolved hurt that Mm -hmm. is still there. And so then you could be like, oh, I know what that is. And it's not necessarily even at you, but it's unresolved with her. Then the next step after that would have been what I call repeat. So I would zing something to Hannah, which she would like pull back from. Well, then she pulled back from me again. So then I'm going to pull back. So then she's going to pull back. So then we just keep repeating this pattern. And so in families, we're doing that. And when I come walking into my relationships with already a broken heart, I'm already wounded because I've been rejected by somebody that you know knew me better than anyone, the person mm-hmm. I was the most intimate with. Mm-hmm. So I'm walking around with this big heartbreak. How do I keep that from bleeding into my other relationships? So God showed me those five R's and he showed me what to look for. And it's in the book in chapter four, I think. But it's like how to recognize the, those five R's how to know where to, when I'm in them and then what to do to get out of them. Mm-hmm. So what I did in this particular situation with Hannah is I said, you know, Hannah, when I got to the revenge part and I was thinking about saying something nasty, I said, you know what, babe, um, the story I'm making up in my head right now is that I stink as a mom and you'd rather be anywhere on Saturday morning than here with me. And she kind of like blinked almost like she's coming back into the program. And she looks up at me and she said, mom, I just found out the little boy I babysit for has leukemia. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with me. And I had made up a story in my head. And that story in my head became my reality. And out of that story, I was reacting and acting and treating her based on a fiction piece in Mm. my brain. Yeah. And I thought, God, where else am I doing that? And he said, let me show you the list. (laughs) Because... (laughs) Because we are in the five R's with, and if we don't be careful about reeling it back in. And so I would, I learned then at that moment to stick to the facts, just stick to the facts and half of your problems, half of your drama will disappear right Mm -hmm. then. So good. I love what you're pointing to as well as you would just practically explain, how do I take the emotions out of this? And I think that's a lot of times where our bad decisions come from is reacting from an emotional place. And it's not to say that the needs are not legitimate. For you to be able to express to your daughter, I feel rejected, that's legitimate. It's legitimate that you would have that feeling. Sometimes we judge ourselves for having the feeling, but it's to say, how do I not let the feelings push me into a situation where the logic has been overrun and now I've made a poor decision and I've hurt a relationship and those kinds of things. And I find that very often where things go off the rails is when we either don't acknowledge that we have a need or we wrongly address that we have a need or don't address that we have a need. And that's where everything just kind of goes a little bit crazy. And if we can get oriented around the fact that, yes, I do have a need. No, it is not this person's responsibility to meet it, but I could communicate it to them. Then we allow that space for God to really move in all of the party's hearts and just make a bond out of something that could otherwise be a breakage. Have you found that to be true? Absolutely true. And the trick when we're going through the heartbreak that we go through, because it's not just us, but our children are going through heartbreak too. And that's hard. And with them going through that, it's like, how do we teach our children and ourselves to actually have emotions not stuff them because that's not healthy mm-hmm. and also not to allow them to run our lives so that I make decisions based off my emotion and not a fact. How many times have you been tempted because the emotion comes and this thing happens and you're like, ah, 
And then you go to sleep and you wake up the next morning and that email that you would have written is completely mm-hmm. different or mm-hmm. the response that I would have made to you. Now I have completely flipped it around. Yes. And so we have to give it the time, but we have to be able to have the emotions. So God does not create anything bad. And God created all the emotions, including the disappointment and the discouragement and the depression. He created those. So I'm like, okay, if I'm trying to stuff those because I don't think they're the good ones and I only want to have the good ones, but the mm-hmm. good ones on the bad ones are all together like a bunch of grapes. So if I turn off the bad ones, I turn them all off and then mm-hmm. I'm just a walking robot. That's not healthy. Yeah. And so teaching the children and myself, emotions say that something has happened to my heart. Uh, it is a thermometer for our hearts. And so it's like, okay, I can take a reading. Something has happened to my heart. Something has happened to your heart. Okay, have the emotion and don't take it out on somebody else. Don't do something stupid and don't insist that the other person change how they feel. Because mm-hmm. with seven of the children and me, that's eight of us. So in a situation, one person could be feeling fine. One person is mad. One person yes. is happy. One person looked them forward. And so it's like, you are allowed to have your emotions with two codicils. You cannot take it out on someone and you cannot insist that someone changes how they feel. And so when we did that, we were like, okay. And we were able to move forward. But I wanted us to all come through whole. Because whole people have emotions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I think too, in that it's teaching our kids, and, but learning ourselves first, what it is to understand that our ability to make decisions is influenced by what resources we think we have around us. And so if I think I have emotional support, I think I have the ability to communicate with you and have my needs met and that sort of thing, then we have we don't feel necessarily under the weight of the emotions or the decision because we know what options exist for us and i know from my personal experience of just healing from codependency a lot of times we end up in unhealthy relationships because we have just stuffed our needs and yes. we're just so busy meeting another person's needs that we don't even recognize our own but then sometimes it makes us not very good at seeing the needs around that's, us seeing our kids needs that's complete wisdom. And for you to get to that place and you know, have, have noticed that, that's <laughs> Only God. Huge, <laughs> Only <right>? God. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so at, in that process of understanding my own needs and in having them met, not in a relationship, but just through my relationship with God and communicating with the people who I am closest to, God has shown me then how to be way more sensitive to what my kids' needs are so that I can teach them now how to verbalize what it is they need. And I see in them that sense of overwhelm that comes from that repeated trauma, like you mentioned earlier, just is easier for them to break off that they can kind of take that pause and go, okay, I don't actually need to throw a tantrum about this because I know what the options are. And then we can talk them out and there's a process in that. I'd like to take a short break from our conversation to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available on the go. And it works through an app where you are able to schedule video sessions or just chat with your counselor throughout the course of the week. And I found that having the combination of Christian teaching and counseling together was so encouraging and so healing for me. If you have been considering Christian counseling and you would like to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. 
how have you seen though, Peggy Sue, where the things that you have learned with decision-making have now that you have grown children have influenced their lives? I see my children and, and we have family drama. I, I used to think everybody else has the Hallmark family and I'm the only one that has got we the drama. We all think that, right? <laughs> yeah. And one of my very wise friends who's got two PhDs and, you know, we've raised our kids together and stuff. She's like, no, everybody's got it. It's, it's you know, family drama is, is people living together. That's normal. But I see a lot of times where, and once they're adults, tell them what to do. Like you can when they're little. I mean, when they're little, I can say, hey, fix your attitude or hey, I know you feel like you want to fit right now. So once you take that anger and go sweep the basement because you'll feel good about what you did when you're done and you'll be able to think about it while you're there. And, you know, so it's good. Well, now I've got adult kids and if somebody gets angry or if somebody gets hurt or whatever, they get to choose how they're going to respond. And the one thing that I have found that I so appreciate is that I see when they extend grace with a maturity that just blows my mind. I've seen some of my kids step up and do some amazingly generous things for one another. And they're not even telling each other, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, it's just showing up and I'm like, gosh, you know, thank you, Lord. And also I think the thing I'm very, very grateful for is that all my children have a relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And if, if you'd ask for what is the only one thing that's the most important, it's that because our children knowing the Lord is up to us to introduce them. Then they choose if they're going to stay in that relationship. But it's like, that's eternal life. That's, mm-hmm. that's forever. This is, a, this is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And so if they can grow up and live in four different states and still be involved with the Lord and be involved with their church, I'm like, thank you, God. That's yes. the best. That's yes. the greatest. Thank you. And it's not me. You know, it's God pulling people to himself. And, um, and also just heartbreak is part of it and we don't want to do that. And we want to shelter our children from it, but we can't always help that. It's like the ideal is the getting married and living happily ever after. That's the ideal. And what you and I live in is the real Mm -hmm. and Jesus is in the middle of the real. That's where he lives. And that's where he's really at work. And I love that you're pointing to those decisions you can make ahead of time. You can decide this thing doesn't define me. You can decide I want to have a great relationship with God and model that out in front of my kids. And those are the things that get you through those times when you are just at your breaking point, but you're like, but I've decided I want something different. And that that actually is how the heartbreak and the disappointment of what we've gone through can catapult us into a different life that we can show our kids something different. And for me, sitting here with three younger ones, hearing you say all seven of mine have a relationship with the Lord, I'm like, praise you, God, for her. And that's inspiring for me because it does take, they didn't get there without one day at a time of intentional choices on your part. And that is motivation to me to just remember, if you messed it up today, you get a new day tomorrow. (laughs) And for me, I didn't know how to do family Bible time. I mean, you know, I started going to church when my kids were little, do do, do family Bible time. And so I went up to the the pastor afterwards. I'm like, what is that? Tell me the mystery. And he said, it's just reading the Bible out loud to your kids and praying. And I'm like, hot dog, I can do that. So <laughs> that's what we did. And mm. it, it, we did it every day. It was, we needed something sacred when everything had been that we loved had been marred. We needed something sacred and my kids needed some things that they could depend on. So even when we came back late from someplace, 
I opened that Bible and I read them a Psalm. And in the back of the 10 best decisions a single mom can make, I have an outline of how you can do family Bible time. Mm -hmm. And you can take the good ideas out of that, use the ones that work for you, throw the others away or save them for later. But it shows, start off with just this step, then just add this step, then just add this one. And then that was that, that stuff that just carried the kids through where they're like, we're familiar with the Bible. As soon as they could read, they got to read it to the rest of us. And we would pass the Bible around. It was your night to read, your night to read, your night to read. So when it comes to opening that huge book with all those words in it and no pictures except the maps at the back, <laughs> they're okay with it. You know, mm -hmm. they know how to do it. We play games with the books of the Bible. And you can get the games. You can print it off on the website, the Single Mom Circle. It's under the tab, free cool stuff. And so you can just print it off. There's directions. Play it with your kids. Let your kids play it. But again, it's like, how can we do this so that knowing about the Lord, praying, reading the Bible is just so normal and so, you know, just part of what we do, like breathing, that it won't be a big issue. It'll be just natural and that they'll feel naked without it. Tell me about the process to get here, because what I'm hearing you say in telling the story is, you know, you can make these decisions ahead of time, but you still have to walk through it. And as you and I talked about just before, before we came on, that we often have this thought, okay, when this relationship ends, it's over and I'll just go on and do my life now. But there's interruptions with that. And sometimes they're legal interruptions. Sometimes they're emotional and traumatic interruptions. And we're not making these new decisions in a vacuum. <clears throat> so talk to me about patience as we go through this process and how we can use that as well as something that continues to just grow us. If I had it to do over, if I had a rewind button for how I did this, I would not stay stuck as long as I did. And if I could give a mom advice, it would be don't stay stuck, but press forward into what God has for you. You have a life. And rather than stay curled up in the fetal position, which I may be familiar with, if I can make myself get up and start moving forward. Because here's the thing, moving forward is good for you and your children, no matter what. If there's going to be the possibility of a reconciliation, if you're moving forward, you know, you invite forward movement for your whole family. And if there's going to be reconciliation, there will be a forward movement going there too. If it doesn't reconcile, if you're going to be living separate lives, you're moving forward and that's healthy. But staying stuck is tempting, but it's not good for us. And it's not good for our kids. And, you know, you talk about being codependent. I was totally codependent. And so what I realized, too, is some of the stuff that had to get changed and all that was the person that I was was not authentic. The person that I was was, if I be this, will you like me? If mm -hmm. I be this, can I have a relationship? Mm -hmm. So it's not like we're even getting rejected for me. I, it was the not me that, you know, is being chiseled away so yes. that the, that the authentic person, it's like, it's, it's like, it's like, it's an invitation. Mm. It's like, God is like, I'm inviting you, Peggy Sue. I'm inviting you to come out and play. Yes. Not, 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 not that, that person that's all wrapped up in the bubble wrap. Mm. I want the real you to come play. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he wants me. You know, we all want to be wanted. <laughs> And well, like, and it isn't that what's underneath it sometimes is I just want to be chosen. And God is like, I've already chosen you, darling. Come play. I love that. Yes. <laughs> I totally connect with that. And I think, 
you know, that, that thing where you talked about, you know, smoothing off our rough edges, it's a painful process. It's not easy. And that's where all these bumps and bruises from mistakes and things come from. But when we can recognize that that is the life journey, that is us understanding who God really is, how beautifully, graciously gentle he really is, and how much he has for us because he wants to not leave us as we are, but carry us into something new. But we have to change a little to get there. We'd have to change a lot to get there. <laughs> we have to trust. You know, mm-hmm. I have to put my whole weight on him. And I had to come to the terms where people would say, well, don't you think he's strong enough or powerful enough to do it? I'm like, yeah, I think he totally can. I mm-hmm. think he's going to choose not to. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to like withhold from me. Mm-hmm. Well, those are lies that I believed. And it was just so freeing to dig down and find the lie and find the root and uproot it and then let God's truth come in instead that He may not do it the way I want him to because his ways are better Mm -hmm. and our children are going to go through the heartbreak and they're going to watch us go through it. And I, you know, like I said, I think I stayed stuck way too long. Our children though, they don't want us to be perfect. They want us to be doing our best. They want us to be consistent. They want us to love them. They really want to see us have faith because when we have faith, it gives them permission to have faith too. And they're going to see it first in us. And when it's really hard and they see that I'm just, I'm not turning my back on God, I'm pressing in, what better gift than to teach our children to press in during Mm -hmm. the hard things, not Mm -hmm. to pull back. When it hurts really bad, press in, not pull away. Because in that pressing in, he pulls us close Mm -hmm. and he picks us up and he carries us to that safe place. Yeah, And I can let him do that. And that getting unstuck Stuck is a place that's comfortable. It's familiar. We know what it looks like. It's yucky, but the unknown of what's beyond that and saying, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to choose differently. There's freedom in it, but freedom is not always easy. Freedom is one of those things that we might actually fear if we've never really known what it is to fully give ourselves into that. And I have found that embracing new and different, though it may be uncomfortable, that when you are walking in freedom, it frees your mind to all kinds of possibilities. So now as we're talking about wisdom and discernment and decision-making, you kind of can look at these things as a creative process and say, well, what if it was this way? Or I wonder what else would be possible? Or I could talk to this person first. And there's just so much more free space. I kind of call it the sandbox of your mind where there's so much more free space to play around in there and then just allow God to surprise you. And I think that's a thing that you're hitting on here is that when we trust God, there's a lot that he wants to show us that's maybe buried underneath the bubble wrap, as you said, about what he's put inside of us, but then what he's carrying and carrying us into in the future. And holding on to it and saying it needs to look this way. I'm even going to stay stuck so that it stays this way. Think about it. When has life ever gone the way we thought it would? When has anything that we've ever like, it's going to go this way, ever done that? It never does because God is so much bigger. And the question that he's asking me is he's saying, do you trust me? Will you let me take you into a place that you haven't been before? Will you let me show you that you're worthy, that you are valuable, that you are loved, and that you can be successful? 
because, you know, I came out of a lot of those situations thinking, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to have wonderful things anymore. I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm just, everybody else will, but not me. And God's like, no, you're not, you're not my little, you know, stepchild. You're, mm-hmm. you're mine. Mm-hmm. And it's like, can I trust? And will I go forward into the adventure? And will I know that whatever is going to come, he's got it. And he wants to show us how worthy we are and how loved we are. And, you know, can I accept that? So as it comes to stepping off into that adventure, I love that word. For a woman who's listening, who's not there, or she wants to be there, and she's not sure, how do I take that first step in trusting God? How do I even access what this is that you're talking about? What would you say to her? I would say, I want you to open your Bible every day, and I want you to start with the book of John. And I want you to read John, and then I want you to go back and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I don't care if you don't read anything else. God will tell you when to move to the next part. But I want you to meet Jesus. Mm. And if you haven't met Jesus, it all looks really, really scary. But once you meet Jesus, because this is where God steps into the world, and he says, this is who I am. Everybody thinks I'm the guy who goes, where are you going? Well, you know, you're in timeout for the rest of your life. You know, you're so naughty. And he's like, I'm not that way at all. Then go to your phone and download the free app for The Chosen and watch The Chosen. Yes. Start at episode one, you know, season one and go all the way through. Meet Jesus. And I promise that while you're watching The Chosen and it's kid family friendly, do it mm-hmm. as a family, make this your Bible time. But after you've watched that, you're going to want to read more about the Lord. You're going to want to be into the Bible. Your kids are going to be asking questions. They're going to want to read more. Get to know that Jesus because it's very different from who I thought God was. Mm -hmm. And he's very welcoming. And he's the one that when you get to know that person, you're like, oh, I can trust you. I can believe in you. You do love me and you do have what's best for me in my mind, in your mind. I love that you mentioned The Chosen because I've been watching it with my kids, actually, as you mentioned, and I can't go through an episode without crying (laughs) because it really is the first time I think that we would have like a visual experience of what Jesus would be like. And though I have read the Gospels many times, it was understanding how he lived and walked among us in his daily life, what these other people's daily lives were like. And there is some fiction in there. So if you're listening, (laughs) you've never encountered this before. It's somewhat fictionalized, but it is that sense of the gentleness and the understanding and the compassion. And something God has done in me in this last year is instead of reading the gospels from an outsider's point of view, like I'm watching the crowd and I'm watching this scene it's to insert yourself into the story. And what would you feel if you were the woman at the well and this this conversation was happening? What would you feel if you were the woman who reached out to grab the hem of his garment? This was your last ditch effort to get well. How would you feel in these instances where Jesus is looking you eye to eye? And I was watching the episode uh, last night with Nicodemus and it's just so beautiful that I'm like just crying because what would it be like to be face to face with God? in that way and and just feel and get a hug. Oh, I love that you said that. I'm so for it. (laughs) I watched, I think the first episode, the first series five times Mm. and I cry every time in all the right places (laughs) for all the right reasons. Yes, 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 yes. And I think it's the one place finally in my life where I am thankful 
for the road that I've walked. And I'm thankful that I've had an experience with brokenness that has brought me to the foot of the cross where there was nothing else that could pull me out of my despair. And he met me there. And so I love so much these resources that you've pointed out to remind us to just fall in love with Jesus, just get to know who he is because he has all of it. He has everything that you need. That trust is not something you're going to muster up inside of yourself and just decide one day that you're going to be strong enough to, to make that step. He is alongside of us, inside of us, with us, with the strength that we just have to push into that strength and he carries us along the way. It's like that guy that said, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. I have gone to God sometimes and in my hands, I'm like, this stinks. And I don't want it. And I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Here, you take it and then fill my hands with something else. Mm -hmm. And I've learned to just physically do that a lot of times. Like, hello? Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And he does. He takes it. And he helps me in my unbelief. And he gives me the faith when I'm like, I don't have it, God. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I need love. I need grace. I need this. And he's like, sure, sure. You know, Mm -hmm. you're asking, I will do it because think of it as a parent. Are you going to not take care of your child when they ask you to? You're going to be like, yeah, sure. I'll be right there for you. Mm -hmm. And he is the same way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then some. (laughs) Peggy Sue, you've given us such wonderful insight. I feel like in this season of our lives to have the ability to access what God has for us in moving forward. For a woman who's listening, there's just one more thing that you'd want a single mom to know. What would it be? It would be take your eyes off that person that is breaking your heart. Get your focus off of him. Get your focus off of what's happened to the marriage. Get your focus out of the drama. That will keep you stuck. It just pulls us in. We're like being in a blender. We can't change another human being. Then look at yourself. I mean, if I could like even make myself do what I was supposed to do, I would be 10 pounds lighter, right? I can't even make me behave, let alone make somebody else behave. Mm -hmm. And so take your eyes off that and get your eyes instead first on the Lord and then on moving forward with your future. It's like the story of David and Goliath. David goes out there and, 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 you know, his brothers have been out there and all they see is this giant... And so the giant just gave him a hard time for, you know, David didn't see the giant. David saw the God behind the giant. And so when you're looking at God, the giant looks really little. And so when my eyes are on my, you know, relationship that's not going well, on another trip back to court, on another bunch of stuff that came from the attorney in the mail, on, you know, writing another check to the divorce attorney, and and the nasty thing that somebody said, and then, you know, If my eyes are on that, my eyes are on the giant. And so I have to get my eyes off the giant. I have to look far beyond that and look up larger to the bigger thing that God. And when you watch the chosen, the Jewish people, and when you read in the Bible, they're like, get rid of the Romans, get rid of the Romans. And he's like, I'm not interested in the Romans. Mm -hmm. I don't care about the Romans. They're so little compared to the bigger thing I have for you. And so I think as moms that are just starting in it and you're in the middle of it and you see the drama and you're in the trauma and I get it, please move your eyes onto that bigger thing. And it's not your ex and it's not the ex-in-laws and it's not their friends and it's not the other woman. It's not that. Look at the bigger thing and you will move into something more powerful and more dynamic and more fulfilling than you've ever experienced in your life. 
That is fantastic. Thank you for that reminder. Can you tell listeners about the book and how they can follow along with you? Yeah, please find the book. Uh, it's the 10 best decisions a single mom can make. And you can find it, of course, on Amazon where we can find all of our books. You can also find it at Barnes and Noble. Your local bookstore can get it for you. Um, you can also find it on the website, thesinglemomcircle.com. And the Single Mom Circle has got over 100 resources on there now. And it's filling up every week with more. It's just you go there and you can self-identify. Are you looking for, you know, finances, for fitness, for family, for, you know, relationships, whatever? Go there and there's all kinds of different experts that have put stuff up there for you. And then there's links if you want to follow somebody that they're like, yes, they're going where I need to go. You can go there. It's just a resource-rich com companion. We can keep the conversation going after um, you've been familiar with the 10 best decisions a single mom can make or before. So you can find the book there and then at all the different places, but go to the website. And then also you can find it on my website, which is Peggy Sue Wells doesn't write like a girl.com. <laughs> because the 10 best decisions a single mom can make is number 29 of my books. And so I've got a bunch of novels and other things out there. So fantastic. Well, I will have links to that in the show notes to make it Perfect. easy for the listeners to access all of your information. Also, Peggy Sue is often active in the Beloved Collective, which is the private Facebook group for Agape Moms. And so if you want to join our group and get to know this fantastic woman and hear some more of the wisdom that she has to share, she's often popping in and out of there. But I just want to thank you so, so much. Your journey has been such an inspiration to me. And I just appreciate everything that you've shared with us in this conversation. I appreciate that you've got that, that collective because I sure could have used it. Oh my gosh, I could have used that. So I appreciate that you're there for them and good job. Thank you, thank you. The first chapter of the book of James says that if anyone is lacking wisdom, that they can ask God for it. And that if we ask without doubting, he gives us generously everything that it is we need to get through those times that we're not sure what to do. After listening to this episode, I hope you'll take some time to consider those places where you might be feeling stuck and then just take them to God. Take some time to talk to him and ask him to give you the wisdom that you need to figure out what it is you might need to do or to observe what it is that he is doing and to just have confidence in the things that you might have to make decisions about to move you into the future that he has for you. As we wrap up today's episode, I do want to point out a couple of resources available in the show notes. The first is our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Going through the issues and things that we're dealing with as single moms in community is so valuable. And so if you'd like to join the Facebook group, all you have to do is search for Agape Moms on Facebook at Agape Moms, and then click on the groups tab there and submit a request to join the group. Likewise, if you would like to follow along with Agape Moms on Instagram, you can search for us at Agape Moms. Additionally, I now have a weekly video guided scripture meditation available for every episode of the podcast. And if you subscribe to the Agape Moms YouTube channel, you will receive notifications when those videos become available. And it's just a great way to start off your day with some encouragement from God's word and apply some of the things that we're learning here on the podcast. 
I also want to thank you for your subscriptions, your rankings, your reviews. It's so encouraging to me to see what God is doing in your life and to see him on the move, but it also helps other women to be drawn in to just what God has for them here as well. And as you move through the rest of your day or your evening, I just pray that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved. Thank you.